to exclude God. Exclude God. They're trying to exclude God out of every aspect of our life. They're trying to exclude God out of school. They're trying to exclude God off our currency. Everything in every place where God is, the spirit of this world is trying to get him out of it or exclude him from it. But tonight I want to teach on involving God. The church should work on getting God involved in your life. Now you may sound that say that sounds like an odd statement. No. Here's what you're going to find out by the time we get to the end. God's not going to force himself into your life. You're going to have to provide him opportunities for him to get involved in your life. See, God's the nice gentleman that stands at the door and knocks, but he can't come into your house or into your life until you open the door. Effort must be made on your part. So if you would, let's turn to Psalm 121. We'll read this tonight. I did not put it on these slides because I wanted us to actually look at it tonight. Psalm 121. Thank God for the great reports we heard from Youth Congress on Sunday night. Just the Lord did so many things. I believe people were so encouraged and I've heard great things since then and just just a lots of great things going on. The Hendersons are still making their way back to Oregon. They decided to go up and um, pray Brother and Sister Harvey through to the Holy Ghost and get them win one to the Lord. I told Brother Hendrickson, when he got there, make sure he prayed Brother Harvey through to the Holy Ghost. So he texted me on Sunday, and he said, I think he got it now. So, so that's my friend, and I love him, and he knows I'm joking there. And he told me, he said, Brother Harvey told me to tell you there's 3,000 promises from God in the Word of God. You should read them. So anyway. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> love him, and... And we were real blessed having him here. But anyway, they're on their way back. And so uh, pray for the Hendrickson family that they make it back. Thank you very much. Psalm 121. Uh, somebody like to read that nice and loud for us tonight. Psalm 121. It's not a very long passage of scripture. Hallelujah. Nobody. Somebody say, hallelujah. Thank the Lord for that chapter. I thank God that he put that chapter in the word of God. Powerful. I want to start with verse number two there. It says, my help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Folks, no one else has these qualifications. No one else can say, this is in my resume. I made heaven and earth. <laughs> no one else can boast that they made heaven and earth. Only God. 
And he said, my help cometh from the Lord, who has a resume which includes making both heaven and earth. <laughs> I know about you, that's pretty encouraging to me. Because when I think about having the person on my side to help me that made both heaven and earth, then my little situations I go through are probably really trivial to him. What do you think? God is a great God. Amen? But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting king. At his wrath the earth shall tremble and the nation shall not be able to abide his indignation. Thus shall ye say unto them, the Lord is talking here to Jeremiah, and he said, I want you to tell my people, I want you to tell them this, the gods that have, the gods that have not made the heavens and the earth, even they shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. God was making it very clear to Jeremiah, there's only one God who has made heaven and earth, and I want you to make sure you tell my people what was going on. They were in the middle of a battle over idolatry and wickedness that was going on in that country. It was affecting the people of God, and he for some reason wants them to know, I am the only one who made heaven and earth, and make sure they know that. He hath made the earth by his power. He hath established a word by his world by his wisdom and hath stretched out the heavens by his discretion, folks. Jeremiah 10, 10 through 12. That's our God, folks. That's our God. Our God is the only one who can control heaven and earth because he's the only one who made heaven and earth. He's the only one you can find in record that could step out on the sea and say, see, be still. He's the only one that could say, wind, stop, and the wind ceased. He's the only one that if he wants to can tell an earthquake to stop and it will stop. Our God is the God who not only created all heaven and earth, but he also controls all heaven and earth. Can somebody say amen? Then I have a question from you. From where can an attack come against you that wasn't a creation of our God? Tell me. Where? From where can an attack come against you that wasn't a creation of our God? Well, the devil. Well, maybe then it's Satan then. Seriously? You wouldn't bring God down that low? <laughs> Look at this. For by him were all things created. Everybody say all things created. That are in. And that are in. Things that are. And. Things you can see and you can't see. Whether they be. Are. 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 All. Come on repeat with me. All things were created by him and for him. So I have a question for you then. From where can an attack come against you that wasn't a creation of God? The answer is nowhere. There is no source, there is no origin of an attack that can come against you, both physically or spiritually, that does not have an origin in the creation of God. 
God created both heaven and earth and controls everything in both heaven and earth, folks. Oh, I hope somebody gets encouraged tonight. He goes on and says, And He is before all things, and by Him all things what? It didn't just say we're created, but consist. He is sustaining everything today. God didn't just create it life. He sustains life. God didn't just create the earth and heaven. He sustains it every day. Folks, it's not magic that's keeping that sun where it is today. It's God that's keeping the sun where it is today. Oh, hallelujah. Man thinks they got it all figured out. They don't have a clue at the power and the anointing of our God. He has created all things, folks. Hallelujah. The creator of all can defend all. I said the creator of all can defend all. Why? Because he is the creator of it all. Thus he can defend all. We serve a mighty God, folks. We serve a mighty God. I'm trying to convince some of you out there. We serve a mighty God. Hallelujah. And if he's that great, then we need the greatest thing that is ever known to man involved in our lives. We need to get him involved in our life. Can I say this? We suffer through things that we shouldn't be suffering through because we're not getting God involved in our lives. Come on, let's be honest. We prolong things because we are unwilling to get God involved in our lives. I don't know about you, but man, if there's a cure out there for cancer and I had cancer, I'd want it. Here we go. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. That's verse number three. Look at this. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. Psalm 73 and 2. <laughs> Psalmist is saying, buddy, I almost fell down. <laughs> Do you know, it doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how well your balance is. It doesn't matter how great you are. When you're standing on ice, it's hard to stand up. Because then it's not about what you're able to do, but it's about where your feet are planted. Mm, that'll preach. If you think you can stand on your own, we're living in slippery times. Come on, look at this. Your ability to stand is based on your footing. Your ability to stand is based on your footing. I came in tonight, and, and I walked by, and I don't know if I startled Sister Tramore or not, but she, she kind of, <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. You said it. She, she did what she said. <laughs> and she kind of went back and had to grab the wall to steady herself. <laughs> That's how we are to an extent in the spirit realm, folks. We are only as good as our foundation. And your ability to stand is based on your footing. And the psalmist said, I almost fell down because I was in a slippery place or my feet were on slippery places. He will enable you to stand firm. Our God 
can help you to stand firm even in slippery places, folks. Why? Because he's the God of all and he can defend all and he can keep all, folks. Amen. Our God is a mighty God. Can somebody say amen? Hear me. Don't misunderstand or be confused about this verse of Scripture. Even good individuals are liable to slip and fall, to fall into sin and snares and temptations and from their steadfastness in the faith. Hear me. Good people can fall down. Good people. David was not a bad man, but he said, hey, my feet have almost slipped. I've almost went down. And if you look at the Word of God, he did go down a few times. <laughs> he fell flat on his face, on his back, on his side. He bounced all around. He was everywhere, folks. But God was still able to keep him. Don't misunderstand the Scripture. I'm going to say it again. Good people can fall down. Good people can make mistakes. Good people can sin. Good people that are good, godly people can make mistakes, folks. You, as a good, strong saint of God, at times can be shaken in your walk with God. That's the reason why you need to involve God in your life. That's why. We can't make it without God, folks. Our failure shouldn't define us as a bad person, but remind us that we are human and that we need God. You don't look at somebody in the church that's made a mistake and say, oh, they're a bad person. They're no. No, they're not a bad person. Folks, they just lost their footing. They just slipped. They just failed. They just made a mistake. And then they need at that point definitely to get God back involved in their life so they can get back on the solid rock and get their footing down. Amen. We need to involve God more in our lives. I believe we need to involve Him more in the church and in our walk with God. Your feet may be almost but not altogether gone. Your steps may well nigh slip, but not completely. <laughs> How many of you have stumbled? <laughs> oh, yeah. How many of you have just fat fell on your face? Come on. Let's be honest. There's nobody in this house that has not stumbled and has not fallen. There's nobody in this house that has not made a mistake. But I'm going to tell you, the ones that continue to get back up are those that continue to get God involved in their life. You can't make it without God. You've got to get God involved in your life. How are you going to do that? Prayer. Reading the Word of God. Being faithful to the house of God. Worshiping God. Fellowship with the people of God. You've got to get God involved in your life, folks. Hallelujah. Can I tell someone he'll be the greatest friend you could ever have? It's getting God involved in your life. He's also a friend you can tell things that's not going to on the phone tell somebody else. Because if he won't tell somebody, he's going to know it before you tell him anyway. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hear me. Therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation, my 
God might hear me if he has time. What does the verse say? My God. But I'm going to get God involved in my life. And when I get him in my life, I will look to him. That means I am getting him involved here in my life. And I will wait for the God of my salvation. I'm going to get him involved, and then I'm going to let him work in his own time in my life. I'm not going to tell him what to do or how he has to do it. I'm going to put him in my life. My God will then hear me when I get him involved in my life. I'm going to tell you what, you close God out, he's liable to close you out. You never want him until you're in a bad situation. Then he can wait until you're in your bad situation and say, can't hear you. Because angels, you hear somebody? I don't hear anybody. He can cut you out too. God can ignore you. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. Guys, remember this verse? Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. Everybody say, when I fall. He didn't say, if I fall. <laughs> it said, when I fall, guaranteed, when I fall, some people just fall far, farther down. <laughs> but when I fall, and the only way you're going to be able to arise if you get God involved in your life. Because you can't get up on your own. You can't walk on your own. You can't stay and do what God wants you to do on your own. You better get God involved in your life because the only way you're going to make it is with God in your life. Look at what he says. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. When I sit in darkness and I get God involved in my life, then I have light in my life. We need to get God involved in our life, folks. Look at this. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he plead my cause and execute judgment for, 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 not against me. Look what it said. For, for me, church. He will bring me forth to light and I shall behold his righteousness. When I make mistakes, I'm going to go to God, repent. I'm going to talk to God. Are you ready? I'm going to get a God involved in my life. <laughs> this is what he's saying. And when I get him involved in my life, he will bring me forth to the light and I shall behold his righteousness. Folks, we have got to get God involved in our life. Every aspect of our life. God cannot be a Sunday Wednesday God. God has to be seven days a week, 24 hours a day, involving God in our life. We cannot get so busy and let life get so busy that we exclude God for the majority of the week and then try to include Him for a short little period that we've designated unto God. No, we need to every day of our life include God in our life. Decisions on your job need to help. You need to get God to help you by including Him in your life. Decisions in your home include God in your life. You've got to get him into the equation or you will not make it, folks. Amen. Hallelujah. 
which holdeth our soul in life and suffer not my foot to be moved? <laughs> He's not going to let me fall. For in thee, O Lord, do I hope thou wilt hear me, O Lord my God. A psalm of David. I read on. For I said, hear me, lest otherwise they should rejoice over me. When my foot slippeth, they magnify. They magnify themselves against me. What's he saying? They become big in my eyes. Then something that was small becomes so big and huge and massive in my life, it becomes bigger than I am. But all they have done is magnified themselves to you. It does not mean that's who they are or how much power they've got, but because of your present condition, you view them as being larger than they are. When you magnify something, you don't change the size of that thing. You just change the appearance to look as if it's larger than what it is. You take a magnifying glass and hold it over a little object, the object doesn't change sizes. It's just your perspective is it's now larger. And that's what happens when we fall down. Then things that seem to be so insignificant become huge to us. And when they start becoming huge to us, you know what you need to do? Get the creator of heaven and earth involved in the situation so he becomes bigger than anything that's magnified. It does not matter how big the enemy magnifies things in your life. He can never magnify them to the point they become greater than our God and bigger than our God. Woo! Hallelujah! He says, lest other, for I say, hear me, Lord. He's getting him involved. Lest otherwise they should rejoice over me. Hallelujah! For I am ready to halt. <laughs> What's he mean there? I'm ready to stop. Anybody ever felt that way before? Anybody ever felt like giving up? <laughs> I feel like halting. I feel like stopping. I feel appalled. I feel like just taking a big rest here. And my sorrow, what that word sorrow means there is pain or anguish, is continually before me. Folks, sometimes it seems like it doesn't stop the battle. Can I hear an amen in the house? This is all in that same context right there. What's going on? The enemy's magnifying things to you making things bigger than what they really are. They're not what you think they are, but the enemy's making you see things that are not there and magnifying them to huge, huge things in your life. Get this. For I will declare mine iniquity. I will be sorrow for my sin. Sorry for my sin. What's he doing? I'm going to get God involved in my life. And anything, hear me, anything that's separating me from God, and getting God in my life, I'm going to get out of my life. That's what he's saying. I will declare my Hey, when the enemy's coming in and it's making him look really big, you know what I want to do? I want to get super close to God. I want to get him involved in my life. How can I do that? The only way I can get closer to a holy God is to get things out of me so I can get closer to a holy God. I'm going to declare what I've done wrong. I'm going to lay it on the altar. I'm going to repent, folks. Why? So I can get closer to God. Woo! Hallelujah. Your sin will drive you away from God. Your iniquity will drive you away from God. 
The only way you can get closer to God is get that junk out of your life and get closer to God and get God involved in your life. When you got sin in your life, you don't want God in your life. You don't want him to get in your business. It's the truth. When you're not walking right, I know I've been there. When I'm not doing what's right, folks, it, it's not a time when we're only really getting close to God because we're on different pages here. But I'm going to tell you, when you repent and get things out of your life, and you get, honey, you want God in everything in your life because you realize I got to have this God or I'm not going to make it, folks. Honesty and humility are the keys to standing until we make it to heaven. Oh, hallelujah. Honesty and humility are the keys to standing until we make it to heaven. Every one of us in this house are going to have to be honest. Every one of us in this house are going to have to humble ourselves before God. There are no exceptions to the rules. We all have got to humble ourselves in the presence of God. If we're going to involve Him in our life, we're going to have to humble ourselves and say, I got to have you, God. I need you. I can't make it without you, God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Humility are keys. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee. Everybody say, keepeth thee. Everybody knows what that ETH says right there, means right there. Continuing, folks. Will not slumber. Behold. Everybody say, behold. That behold says to see and take notice of. So the writer said, behold. There I woke two of you up there. Behold. He's saying, look, take notice of. He that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. In this psalm, in the middle of all this stuff, he says, hold on a minute. I want to get your attention and I want you to focus on something. Look at this and focus on this. Everybody focus. I know this is hard for somebody, but focus right here. Ready? Focus. Behold. Ready? He that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. In your situation, God is never asleep. In your situation, God is ready to get involved in your situation. Oh, look at this. Keepeth means properly to hedge about as with thorns. That is guard, generally to protect and to attend to. And that's what God is doing for us. I don't know if it's you, but I'm glad that God has put a hedge about us. How about you? Look at this verse. It's in our reading. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. <laughs> the Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy preserver, folks. The Lord is thy defender, folks. The Lord, he will keep you from danger. He will keep you from sin. Did you hear me? He will keep you from sin. He will keep you from false doctrine. <laughs> Woo, we have to have God involved in our life. Folks, you're never going to make to heaven in the year 2019 without God involved in your life. There's too many spirits. There's too many voices. There's too much craziness. There's too much false doctrine. There's too many things that will get you off track if you don't have God involved in your life. It takes an effort to get God involved. Look at this, this verse right here. 
Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Psalm 127 and 1. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. And I started thinking about that. And I'm going, wow. And I'd never seen some of the things there. Do you realize fire may break out in spite of the watchman? The enemy may still attack in spite of the watchman. <laughs> I started thinking about these things. Sickness and diseases can still spread throughout even with the watchman in place. That's the reason why it gives such power to that statement that we just read there. It says, hey, it's going to have to be the Lord that keeps the city. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter how hard I pray and how hard I teach and how hard I, and how hard I preach. It doesn't matter how hard I give an effort to being a good watchman on the wall. Really, the only one that is going to be able to keep the palace of praise is God, not me. I can't do it. As a watchman, I can't stop the fires. As a watchman, I can't stop the sickness. As a watchman, I can't stop those things. But I do have a place in the church. Where's that? To sound the trumpet, sound the alarm, and let you know you need to get God involved in your life, folks. Yeah, I can't solve all your problems, fix all your problems, or help you to continue to do what you need to do because some of you shut me out. But God can help you do what you need to do, and God can keep you, folks. Somebody shout amen. amen. Those who fail believe they can do it on their own and that they don't need God. The reality is everybody needs keeping. Can somebody, if you agree with that, shout amen. amen. The reality is everybody needs keeping. You ready for this? including the watchman. I can't make it. Folks, just because I'm the pastor of church doesn't give me this spirit of insulation around me that doesn't, keeps the enemy from being able to attack me. I, I, I am prone also to failures if I don't include God in my life. I can make mistakes if I don't keep God in my life. There's some, been some real powerful men of God that have been greatly used by God that have fallen to sin and adultery and all kinds of things and alcohol and drugs. Why? Because somewhere they failed to keep God involved in their life. We need to keep God involved in our life. The reality is everybody needs keeping. Everybody in this house needs God in your life. Can anything be more secure than something that is kept by God? Is there anything more secure than being kept by God? I don't know about you, but I would rather have God keeping me than this government. I'd rather have God keeping me than the greatest army on the face of this earth because God will keep me both day and night. Hallelujah. 
The verse doesn't state or even imply that the watchman isn't needed, but it reinforces the absolute need of God at all times. We must watch although God keeps. We must watch although God keeps. And I am needed. You need a pastor in your life. But my point to you is this. I am not your Savior. And I cannot force you or make you live for God. It's going to have to be God you get involved in your life if you're going to make it. I've seen too many people that got a pastor involved in their life, but they didn't really get God involved in their life. And when the pastor went down, they went down. But if you will get God involved in your life, it doesn't matter if I make a bad decision, you're still going to make it and you're still going to be saved. By the help of God, I hope to make it, and I'm trying to do my very best. And I am, no, at the best of my knowledge, I don't have any sin in my life, and I'm living a good life, folks. But I'm just telling you, I'm human, and you need God involved in your life. <laughs> folks, you need God more involved in your life than psychiatrists and psychologists. You need more than a good book involved in your life. You need more than a good counseling involved in your life. You need the glory of God. You need the Spirit of God involved in your life hallelujah hear me God is able to keep us from temptation can you say amen, amen. he's able but God said watch and pray lest ye enter into temptation <laughs> God is able to keep you from temptation but God said watch and pray lest you enter into temptation we can never do without God. Amen. Folks, if you can't feel the presence of God one day, it should scare you to the point you try to get a hold of God as soon as you can. Amen. If you get to the point you don't feel the glory of God moving in your life and you're not just speaking in tongues because the Holy Ghost is giving you evidence at times. Honey, you should be going, what in the world is going wrong? And why isn't God being involved in my life? What is it? Where have I put God in my life? Have I pushed him out that he doesn't feel free to come moving into this vessel and speaking through me when I'm worshiping him and praising him? Folks, you need to be speaking in tongues on a regular basis because it's the renewing of God you need in your life because you need God involved in your life. If it's been a while since you spoke in tongues, folks, you shouldn't be saying, oh, I'll wait, maybe the next service. Honey, you better start fasting. You need to be praying. You need to be seeking God, saying, God, I want you back in here. I want you involved in my life, God. See, we want to involve God in the big decisions. We want to involve God when we got cancer. We want to involve God when we get a raise on our job. We need to have God involved in everything in our life. Not just the big, but the little, the everything. God is involved in our life. We can never do without God. Woo. Man, if God, you remove your presence, and Lord, let me just be so hungry that I won't be satisfied until I get you back involved in my life again, God. I got to have you, God. God is a keeper at all time. Can somebody say amen? amen? The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. He said that I would not keep you. Can you tell me any time that it's not day or night? What time is not either day or night? 
Is there a time that's not day or night? Oh, I guess then said God's saying I'm a keeper all the time maybe. Well, the nighttime is when I'm really bothered by things. Get God involved in your life and those things. Then maybe you should hit your knees and begin to start praying and saying, God, I want you involved in my life both day and night, both in the light and the dark. In every situation, God, i got to have you in my life. Folks, God wants to come into your life. God wants to be involved in your life, folks. Hear me, the Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. Verse number 7, God can keep you from sin. Can somebody say amen? amen? I have been young, and now I can say this, and now am old, er. <laughs> Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor seed begging bread. If you'll get God involved in your life, he's going to take care of you. If you get God involved in your life, he's going to take care of you. I don't care how bad it's going to be. I'm here to tell you I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed out begging for bread. But, oh, Pastor, you don't understand where we are financially. I'm telling you, get God involved in your life. Maybe you should start paying your tithe. Maybe you start paying your offerings. Maybe you should start giving to God and see what he'll do on your giving side. You need to start getting God involved in everything in your life. Oh, hallelujah. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forward and even forevermore, folks. This is part of our verses here. God is able to keep you wherever you may go. The key to God being your keeper is found in the first two verses of our chapter tonight. And I'm right on time to finish when I want to finish tonight. But the key to God being your keeper is found in the first two verses. And I started at verse number two when we started. But look verse number one. It says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hill from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. Psalm 100. And 21, 1 and 2. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. What is meant by help? Helping a man is not doing everything for him and leaving him nothing to do for himself, but rather assisting him in his efforts, making those efforts effectual when perhaps without aid they would be insufficient and frustrated. That's from the biblical illustrator. And I couldn't say it any better, and I wrote it down just the way it was written. Helping a man is not doing everything for him. That's not helping a man that is hurting an individual when we want to do everything for them. It's like a parent who does everything for their kid and does not require them to do anything. They destroy that kid. They destroy them because the kid then believes everybody is going to do everything for them throughout life and there's a rude awakening when they get outside of the house and literally have to clean up their own house 
washed their own clothes, fixed their own food, and buy their own food. Uh -uh. Help is saying we go along beside him and assist him in what? God is here to assist us. That's the reason why we need to get God involved in our lives so he can help us or assist us in our walk with him, folks. Ready? It is help and nothing more than help which is promised throughout the scriptures. It is help and nothing but help which is promised throughout the scripture. God is a help, not Mr. Do-all. Oh boy, that went over real well. God is our helper, not Mr. Do-all for us. We can't sit back and think that just praying is going to get everything done. We get to get off of our lazy hinder parts, get roll up our sleeves and get involved in the work of God and allow God to work through us and with us to do what God wants us to do. It's not saying, God, you do everything, but it's saying, God, I want you involved in what I am doing, God. I want you to be a helper and help me, God, get things done. We got too many people that are sitting back and saying, God, you do Mr. Do-all in my life, and I'll just sit back and enjoy the blessings of God. Not happening, folks. There cannot be a more dangerous delusion than the supposing, than supposing that the operations of divine grace and the intervention of God are such as to supersede the necessity of our involvement or such as will make us religious in spite of ourselves. And there's another quote from Biblical Illustrated. Dangerous delusion that we will think that grace is going to cover everything and we don't have to do anything, and we don't have to make any changes in our life. That's a delusion. That is a lie. It's false doctrine, yet it's being preached in our pulpit. You don't have to change. You don't have to repent. You don't have to do anything. Grace will just cover everything, and you can just be any way you want to be. That always keeps God out of your life. The only way to get God in your life is through repentance and submission to God. You got to ask God for forgiveness to get God into your life. Hallelujah. But we got a Christian world that is saying, I'll live in sin and be in adultery and fornication and do all those things, and God is still going to bless me. I got some news for you. God is not going to be involved in your everyday life when you're not interested enough to pay the price to get him involved in your everyday life. You're delusional. You're delusional if think you can come Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and you're going to go to heaven, and you leave God out of your life the rest of the week. You're delusional. <laughs> if you're not including God other times beside these three times we come to church, I got news for you. You're not even ready to go to heaven. Because there's no way you can exclude God all the other times and there not be sin that creeps into your life. 
You cannot avoid the Word of God all those other hours of the week. You cannot avoid prayer all those other days a week. You cannot avoid a relationship with God all those other days a week and think God is involved in your life. No, He is being excluded from your life. I'm trying to teach the palace of praise. We need to wake up and get God involved in our lives every day, folks. There are things that get a hold of people. Why? Because you haven't got God involved in your life. God will never put us in a place where it will be impossible for us to fail, fall to temptation, to make mistakes, to have a bad attitude, to struggle spiritually, or to lose our soul. God is never, never, as long as we're walking in the flesh, going to make it possible that you will not be able to fall. We do not preach at the palace praise eternal security here. We do not preach believe and the word of God is totally against that. It do, we do not believe that you can once saved, always saved, total security, eternal security. Absolutely not. God will never put you in a place where you cannot fall to temptation to make mistakes, have bad attitude, to struggle spiritually or lose your soul. Since that's the fact, you know what? You need to involve God in your life if you're going to make it free from sin. He's not going to give you this inoculation that says, you will no longer have sin. Take the little shot. No. You wells to be like Jim Jones and drink the Kool-Aid, folks. You've got the same result there. Now, some of you I just dated because some of you said, who in the world is that? Yeah, yeah, uh-oh, you shouldn't say that. Now you dated yourself too there. So some of us know what it is when we say he drank the Kool-Aid. It was deadly. And folks, some of the things we're involved in is killing us spiritually. I'm going to tell you that, Brother Mark Brown, I was listening to his message last night. Woo! As soon as I get it, I'm going to play it to the church. Woo! You know what I heard him saying? I'm, I'm getting this lesson going, and he didn't say anything in regards to this lesson, but he was saying, basically what he's saying is, we're excluding God. That's the bottom line to what he was saying. Because what he was saying is everything else we're including, and when we include a whole bunch of stuff, what are we doing to God? We only have so much time for things. We have only so much time we can spend on things, and when we do all these other things with that time, automatically then by default, we are excluding God from our lives. Can I get an amen in the house? Why don't we read our Bible more? Because of social media. Come on, let's be honest here now. We're church, we can be honest here. The reason why we're not more including God is because we are including other things that are higher priority than God. What is more valuable than he who created heaven and earth and all that dwells therein? What is more important to get in our life than God every day in every possible way we can? Oh, hallelujah. I'm almost done here. Hear me. But if we, we are willing to do our part and fight the good fight of faith, God will help us to be victorious in all things. Somebody shout amen. Woo!
If we're willing to do our part and fight the good fight of faith, I'm here to you. God will be our help because he neither slumbers or sleeps. He's going to be there all the time when you include him in your life, folks. Do you want to harvest some good and productive and be productive and something productive out of your garden? Sorry, I miswrote that sentence there. Do you want to have something productive from your garden? Look at the principle God has established. God has provided the ground in which to plant the seeds. I'm just talking about a harvest. You want to get, you want to get some fruit? Do you want to get some stuff? You want to get a garden? You want to have some corn? You want to get some tomatoes? This is just principle here. God's provided the soil for you to go put the seeds in and plant the plants in. Then God will provide the water and the sunshine to cause the seeds to grow. Principle. He provided the soil and he provided, he'll provide the sunlight and he'll provide the water and in Oregon too much water. Maybe sometimes not enough sunshine, but boy, we've been having some good weather around here, haven't we? Yeah. I don't know what nut. I want everybody, do not be getting on Facebook and talking how well our, our weather is because I don't want anybody else coming here. This is, lots of people don't know how nice it is here. Let's keep it a secret, okay? Because they think down in St. Louis that's good weather and you can't walk one block without just covering yourself with sweat and saying, what are these people thinking living here in St. Louis? Anyway, okay, anyway, I got that off my chest. I feel better now. We're blessed. But look at the principle. He provides the ground. He gives the sunshine. He gives the water. But you must first plant the seeds and till and work the soil. You want to be productive? You want to grow? You want things to grow? You want things to be productive in your life? God set a principle. He'll do his part. He's already given you the soil. He's already made you a being and breathed into you the breath of life. He's already given you the place. Right here. It's you. Already given it here. <laughs> oh, hear me, folks. But I'm going to tell you what. We've got some responsibilities with what he's put here this ground. We got some tilling to do with this ground. We got some weeds we need to pull out of this ground. We got some things we need to do. Yes, God will water us through His presence, His Spirit. Has any of you ever been ministered to by the presence of God? Come on, somebody wave your hand. Have you ever been ministered to by the presence of God? That's God doing His part. How many of you have been discouraged and God come along and He lifted up and encouraged you? That's God doing His part. Come on. That's His sunshine shining into your life to help you at times. Folks, has God not talked to you through the Word of God, through teaching and preaching and through the Word of God? Has He not? God's been doing His part. God is doing His part, but there's a principle there that says, hey, you still can't make it unless you pull some weeds out yourself, unless you do some things yourself and you get involved in the equation too, you're never going to make it. Let me put it another way. you got to get God involved in your life and help you to do what you need to do because you can't do it on your own. You must be willing to remove the weeds and the thorns. You must be willing to me remove the weeds and the thorns. God's not going to come and yank all your weeds and your thorns out. He doesn't come down out of heaven when you plant your garden and pull all the weeds out. How many of you had God come down and pull the weeds out of your garden? He don't do that stuff. He gives you the dirt. He puts the sunshine. He puts the rain. And he says, you pull your own weeds out, knucklehead. And he's doing the same with us. He wants us to pull things. He will give us strength. He will give us knowledge and understanding. He will hold a mirror before us and tell us the things we got to get out of our life. But he expects us to get him involved in our lives and helping us to get junk out of our lives. Woo! It's a good teaching tonight. It's not all God. 
but God and you. It's not all God, but it's God and you. Get God involved. God will never force you to accept his help. I'm almost done. I know some of you are saying, thank God. God will never force you to accept his help. The psalmist stated that he was going to first look where the source of his help would come from in his situation. That's how the verse started. I will look unto the hills from which cometh my help. This is the sad part within the church today. We're looking everywhere but to God. We go through situations, and you know what we do? We call friends and say, hey, have you read a good book about? Let's just be honest here. I'm not against books and good books and everything, but there needs to be a balance of the two. You can't get all your stuff out of some good book written by some man. What you need to do is get some stuff out of the book that's written by God. We need to start getting back to the word of God and getting some things instead of saying, oh, that's good things. Because even in some of these good books, there are some things I scratch my head way out there in left field going, and that's good? Hello? Because there's not everything in those quote-unquote good. And can I just say this? Even apostolic writers don't get it right either. Bishop, I just heard a blanket just hit the church and just cooled everybody off. But it is the absolute... People with doctorate degrees. I've read some of their stuff in this apostolic movement that I've scratched my head and said, where in the world did you get that junk from? What are you saying? We got to get God involved in our life, which includes getting the word of God involved in life and prayer in our life and everything in our life. Here we go. We got to get God. If there's anything we need in our life is we need God. We need God in our lives, folks. Look at this. James stated this. Ye have not because ye ask not. <laughs> you know why we're not getting God more involved in our lives? Because we're not asking him to be more involved in our lives. <laughs> He's standing out here, church, knocking on the door saying, hey, I'd love to get more involved in your life. <sighs> you ready? God will sit on the sideline until you invite him into the situation. He's going to just sit there. Go ahead, nuthead. See how you can do on that. Mm -hmm. Not working out too good, is it, for you? Mm. I could tell you how to do that, but I'm not going to. Because you didn't ask my opinion. Once invited into the situation, you must then follow God's rules and guidelines. See, God's not going to play according to your rules and guidelines. If you get God involved in your life, you're going to have to then do what God wants you to do or God is not going to play along with your little game. That's really good. He has a certain set of rules and guidelines that he wants us to follow. And if you get God involved in your life, you need to line up with his guidelines. So the real question remains, the real question remains is this, when will you get God involved in your life? When will you get God? How bad is it going to have to get before you finally say, okay, God, I think I'll let you handle it now. That's how we are. Anybody do that? Excuse me. 
I used to think it was just the male ego. But now I'm beginning to believe that there are female egos too. Because there is some just as not-headed women as there are not-headed men. Men, you could say amen right there. Come on. I know some of you husbands are kind of scared to say it right there, but you can say amen. What is it? It's just we are all not-headed. We are all stubborn. And this is what we do. We try to do it all by ourselves and figure it out. And then when it's a mess, then we grab the instruction manual and read to see how we are supposed to put it together. Has anybody ever done that before? Okay. We do everything and then we say, okay, that's not working out, so I'll refer. Why don't we first get the instruction manual? Or why don't we first get God involved in some of this stuff before we get in a mess and then see if God can help us get through this stuff without creating so much mess in our life? You know, God could save us from lots of trouble. He's waiting for an invitation. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. I want to encourage you to get God involved in your life. Let's stand tonight. I hope this Bible study has been helpful for, to you tonight.